Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. He was copying them. I've used this illustration before just so you know in modeling it, it does happen. When I was in Bible school, I had a teacher. His name was Mike Otto. Mike Otto wrote that wonderful song called Looking Through His Eyes that many Christian people play today. He tells the story about how when he was a young boy, about five years old, as he was learning to walk and walking at those early years before he went to elementary school, he walked very funny. He walked like with a stiff leg. And his father was a fine Christian man who headed an orphanage in Pennsylvania, a very Christian orphanage took his son because he loved his son to every doctor that he could in Philadelphia to find out why his son would walk with this crippling stiff leg. They took all sorts of x-rays. They did all sorts of therapy. They tried to find out, did he fall? Was he dropped? Did it happen in the womb? What went on? There was nothing there. Well, they finally did all the tests, all the different doctors, all the different second opinions, and the dad finally went to the surgeon's office. And so with the boy... He heard then the diagnosis. And the doctor took his glasses off, put it on the desk and said, we've done everything we could. We do not know why your son walks like this. So my suggestion now would be to help your son face life as strong as he can as he walks with a stiff leg. Now the father being the father what he was, he didn't hear this message. He was just a godly guy. He just stood up, shook the hands of the surgeon and said, I want to thank you for all that the medical professions tried to do for my son and, of course, our family. I know you've done your best, and I know with God's help, we will help my son face the challenges of being less than normal. So the father then turned around and he walked out, and when the father walked out, the father walked like this. And the surgeon said, wait a second. I notice you walk with a stiff leg like that. Why do you walk with a stiff leg? And he said, well, in World War II, I was shot up, and it shot out my hip, and so now I have a stiff leg. And so I, it, it's irreparable. So the father said, I know why your son does that. He's just doing it because he thinks that's how all good men walk, is with a stiff leg. And to this day, as Mike Otto pastors a church in Pennsylvania, he pastors it with legs that walk just as normal as all of us here today. But he picked it up because he watched how his dad did that. Now that's in the physical realm. How much easier it is in the spiritual realm. Number two. So you want to model a godly lifestyle, guys. So own your own walk with God. Number two. Mentoring with grace and truth. Mentoring with grace and truth. Now the context doesn't say grace and truth in here. I'm adding grace and truth. But that principle of grace and truth in your mentoring really comes from John, our favorite study of John for two and a half years. At the beginning of John, two passages in the first chapter says that the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So since grace and truth came by Jesus Christ, and Christ lives in us the hope of glory, then my mentoring can be with grace and truth. And let me add this. My mentoring then should be with grace and truth. And watch And grace always comes before truth. So while I'm mentoring, I want to make sure that I'm dipping my arrows of truth in honey before I'm shooting them out. That's just the general principle of mentoring with grace and truth. Now let's look at the passage and pick pick it apart a little bit. Verse 11 says, Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you 
as a father would his own son. So the idea is speaking something, and that's where I get the word mentoring. So let's talk about exhorting. Now, I'm not going to give you the Greek words. You can do that on your own. I'll give it to you later if you call me. I'll give you what they are. But basically, the word exhorting here means to come alongside someone with the purpose of instructing them with insight in order to move someone to a specific conduct. It's coming alongside someone, instructing them to move them to a direction of specific conduct. Obviously, it would be godly conduct. So I want you to think of it more as you're teaching them. That word that I just had given to you is a word that was also used by military personnel that would be teaching their troops how to engage battle, how to be prepared, how to fight it, how to do the strategies. In other words, a lot of instructions. So I want you to think as a dad, if you're going to mentor, you can't be a mentor merely by being a model. Did you catch that? Write it down. You can't be a mentor by merely being a model. You also have to do the talky part with the walkie part. So it goes on over here, and I wanted you to see that this is so incredible. So I hope that you see that you have to have not only the truth that you believe, you have to, this is really important, the truth is that you need to know the truth well enough that you can craft it in such a way that it remains accurate and clear to the mind of the, of the son or daughter that you have based on their personality style, their need, the season of life that they're in, to the situation, etc. So you're taking what you believe and you are meant modeling and now you're transferring into an instruction level for that person that was present. So that would be the word exhorting you. I like to say it's kind of like saying, you can do it, you can do it, rah, rah, you can do it. There's a man by the name of Mike Friend who tells the story about himself that he has two teenagers and every morning he says the following three things to his teenagers. Number one, quote, You have what it takes to be a difference maker. I love you and I'm proud to be your dad. You have what it takes to be a difference maker. Some of you have heard me say for many years that I want to make a difference with those who want to make a difference with those who want to make a difference. The second he says to them is God has places and situations already prepared for you today where you will have the chance to be a different maker. I want them to be prepared as they start the day in the morning that, yep, you can be a difference maker, but today God is already outlining what He's going to permit or prescribe to come into your life so that you can make a difference for other people. And the third thing He says, He gives them a verse that they go out with as their rock of truth to stand on with these that He's just given to them. It's Proverbs 4.23. Just write the reference down. I'll read it to you. Proverbs 4.23. He reminds them that above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart. That's why here in this church, the men's ministry is called lifeguards. Now, lifeguards is, um, is good in these following ways. First of all, it meets during the school year on Wednesday nights. A group of men are learning how to be godly men from the p- focus of being a leader, an influencer. Once a month, all year round, we have a men's breakfast. And at the men's breakfast, in a relational way, the men are talking how to become a godly man. That's under lifeguards because we want to guard their hearts. At the same time, I think it's a little anemic because I believe our men's ministry should be and could be and hopefully will be stronger than what is now. Where these men are not only learning to be all of this kind of stuff. In other words, I know the truth, I'm living the truth, but I'm not helping someone else with the truth. That these men now will begin to think about what they can do to influence other men in the church, in the community. And how we can reach out and touch others' lives. And it comes from being a lifeguard. Let me tell you, you're not a lifeguard because you wear red board shorts 
and you sit on a stand, you have a surfboard on a rack, and you're able to watch all the babes out in the water. That does not make you a lifeguard. What makes you a lifeguard is when you get wet and you put yourself in harm's way to rescue those. And so, guys, you can study the manual on life-saving until you're blue in the face. That's not going to make you a lifeguard. The second word is the word encouraging. This is a synonymous word also with the word exhorting, but it's a little bit different. This particular Greek word refers to the idea of coming alongside your kids for the purpose of providing sympathy and comfort for them. That was the same word that was used when Jesus was said to come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in the loss of their brother Lazarus. Now, why am I saying, saying all this? Now, listen. God does not waste words in the Bible. Do you agree with that? Say amen. So why did he choose? In one place, he uses exhort. In the other, he uses the word encourage. I believe, watch this now, that when he talks about encouraging, he's talking about kids that are already somewhat upbeat. They're not carrying weight with them. They, they got their life pretty much together. Now all you're doing is instructing them. You're giving them that courage to go on. They're already there. This word is a word to say when your kids are really disheartened, when they've been beat up, when they're discouraged, when they're faint-hearted, when they just want to quit, you come alongside them. So instead of saying to them when they feel like, I don't have any friends, well, let me tell you, there's three reasons you don't have any friends. That's the first one. You don't give that to the kid. You give them this word, which to say, that's all right. I will always be your friend. And God is a friend who will never leave you nor forsake you and will never bully you. You see what you're doing? You're coming alongside and you're bringing them comfort. The third word is the word imploring. Imploring is a word that's easy to define. That simply means to urge, to beg earnestly. It's kind of like an appeal with anguish attached to it. Now, I think sometimes in my teaching here, I do more exhorting and more imploring of you than I do the tender encouraging. And I, I don't know why it's my personality. Maybe I was dropped on my head when I was a kid. Maybe there's more that I need to learn. I, I struggle with that part. But I do a lot of imploring, and that is this. I'm imploring says, I urge you to do these truths, because if you do them, you will benefit. You will be blessed. The kingdom will be built. God will be glorified. I urge you to do these things, because if you just sit around and you, you, you take all the great stuff for church, but you endure this kind of preaching, and you don't get this kind of stuff, you will have challenges in your life. You will not be all that you can be. Your relationships will be strained. Your kids will not be all that you would hope them to be. So we urge you to, and so when you come alongside your kids, you're going to teach them when they need the teaching. You're going to comfort them when they need to be comforted. And you're going to kind of, kind of, with words in a loving way, kind of give them a pat, low, hard, and often on the acoli. Come on, guys. Get back in the program again. You know what I'm trying to say? And I hope that you balance that out. So pray for me as I'm learning to do that in my own life. A couple of observations, and I'll go to the last point, and that's this. Those three that I just mentioned to you, encouraging, imploring, all that. They're all said in a Greek tense that means you do it continually. You do it continually. The challenge you have is, which do I, I do them all the time, but I don't do them, watch this, all the time at once. Do you catch that? That's kind of funny, isn't it? I do it all the time, but I don't do it all the time at once. You, you follow me what I'm saying? I eat all the time, but I don't eat all the time at once. Okay? That's what we're doing in this passage. The second is, go back to the verse again, it says, Paul says, notice how I did all of this with each one of you. You're going to have kids in your family that are going to be easy kids. You're going to have kids that are going to be slow to warm up. It takes a while for them to finally crawl up in your lap. And then you're going to have what I call the Stan Ponzes in your life. The difficult ones at times that say, why this and why that and how come me? And, you know, challenges you kind of like that. 
But this verse doesn't say pick out the easy ones. Pick out your favorites. Pick out the young one. Pick out the old one. Pick out the one that's got all the problems. No, it just says each one of you. So you, going back to what I said at the beginning of the message, you have to have your heart so turned to the Lord that the Lord is kind of prompting you to know what your kids need, which kid needs, how do they need it, and not to make any of your child be neglected. All of them have empty cups. All of them need to have filled at the proper time. So the idea is each one of you, you need to do that and how important it is. Well, the last one is this. So the first, the mandate comes from the Lord and what we need to do. But then he talks about modeling. He talks about mentoring. Now he talks about motivating toward a spiritual, mature life. Motivating toward a spiritually mature life. Look at the verse. Last verse is verse 12. It says, so that you would stop there. He says, all that ahead of time, so that you would do this. Now, in my thinking here, and I don't know enough Greek, and I probably should have given this to you, so I'm going to give you both sides, and you do your own study. Is it possible that if I do the first part, the modeling and the mentoring, the motivation is going to come like a piece of cake? I mean, who would not be motivated when they see dad already living it? Dad knowing me and who I am and how I, where I'm itching and scratching me with what he's doing, encouraging my life or comforting me. What, he, he knows, hey, boy, I, I want to follow your God, and therefore what's going to happen is I'm going to be mature as I go into the kingdom of God. That might be a natural so that. That's a result. That's what happens. Or it could be, the second one could be, do all of this stuff with the purpose and motivation so that your child will be these kinds of things. In other words, what is your motivation for being a dad? Is it so that they take over your business? Is it so that fill in the blank? Or is it your desire is that they would become, watch this now, that they would place their faith alone in Christ and then to go on to become a fully obedient worshiper of God, whatever they choose to do, butcher, baker, candlestick maker, preacher, single, married, military, whatever they want to be. But you want them to be fully spiritually mature. So you do all of this so that. So your motivation is so that they would now come to a greater level. Is that what this is saying? You want to know what I think it's saying? I think, think it's saying actually both. And I'm not trying to play a Kissinger on you here. But I do think it's both. I do think that when you do this stuff, it will be easier to motivate them. Secondly, but your motivation again still has to be so that that child will become a fully obedient worshiper and follower of God as it gets into the kingdom of God. Not heaven here, heaven there. Not to do this, to get into heaven, but because they're going there. And I hope that would be the case with you and me. Well, this is almost the end. So while I'll close my Bible, I want you to listen to me very carefully. Some of you at this particular time are now going down memory lane and you're saying, this is great teaching. This is exactly what I should have been doing. I have failed. My kids are not walking with the Lord. Um, they, they are where they are because I have not been where I should have been. And you're carrying a boatload of guilt. Well, I want you to remember that God is a God of great forgiveness. Maybe some of you remember Ernest Hemingway. You've read some of his works. Well, he had a real, quote, love affair with the country of Spain, as you will well remember, particularly like the city of Madrid. And he wrote a small, short story called The Capital of the World, And if you remember that story, in that story he wrote about a father who had a broken relationship with his son for many years. The son's name was Paco. And with that broken relationship being so separated, they hardly talked and didn't talk. And he was grieved over that, maybe like some of you. And so what he did is he finally decided that he wanted to heal that broken relationship. So he went over to the newspaper office and he took out an ad. And in that ad he simply said this. 
And I thought it was quite astounding. He said, Paco, please meet me at 12 noon tomorrow in front of the newspaper office. All is forgiven. I love you. Well, the next day, he wanted to honor his word. He didn't expect Paco to have read that. When he got to the newspaper office, he had to kind of get through the crowd. And when he found out that there were 800 Pacos looking for a dad to reestablish a relationship of forgiveness. My thinking is this. The dad was right. He tried to do to bring about that healing. But I'm still wondering if his Paco was one of the eight. And how tragic it would be if there's a father out there that would like to reestablish a relationship with a son or a daughter and you're the Paco that doesn't want to participate. And I pray that you would. Although we've given this to the dads and a lot of you might be checking off, my dad failed here, my dad failed there, my dad... Let me tell you what your dad didn't fail in. He's here today. He's here today. He stayed here. This is a tough message for guys to hear. It's tough for me to put together. He loves you. You dads, perhaps for you, what do you where do you begin? First thing I would say, I don't know where you are on your level of faith, but you might simply say, Lord, I have sinned against you as a dad. I did the best I could. I didn't have a manual, didn't have a model. I fail. But Lord, you said that you would forgive me of all my sin if I'd place my faith in you. And now, Father, I am trusting you as the one who died and rose again And I'm receiving from you the full, complete forgiveness of my sin that now I have an eternal relationship with you. And by the way, what comes with that is the power of the Holy Spirit, His forgiveness, and His ability now to forgive yourself and to forgive others. That's your first thing. The second thing you want to do is to begin to take these truths that you've just learned right here and accept the fact, accept the fact, that there is no perfect dads except one, the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you fail, get up, get going again. The second thing you might want to remember is that we can all be better dads. We're going to have to work at it for the rest of our lives. But he's given us the ability. He's given us also how we can clean ourselves up when we misstep, misspeak. Confess it. Forsake it. Move on. I like to say this. Grieve it and leave it. The third thing I want you to remember is this. Dads, listen very carefully. You never father alone. You are not alone as a dad. God loves you. His ever-loving arms are around you. He is the quintessential father. The perfect father. We are the imperfect, if we're a Christian, son or daughter and God says I love you and I'm going to treat you with a balance of justice loving kindness and righteousness I love you secondly you're not all alone guys because you are in a fellowship of fatherhood right here all of these dads are wanting to be the dad that they can be I like to encourage you to look at some of the dads that you think are doing at least a pretty good job spend some time together Talk about what it means. What it was like to have your first child, your second child. What it's like when you've got a a daughter who didn't come home last night or a son who smells funny after he does come home or a kid who's struggling in school or one that just doesn't seem to want to talk or a son or a daughter that's questioning what they should ever do by going to college or not or just drop out into life. 
talk to some of the dads here. Dads, take what I've said here. Own it for yourself and then come alongside others. Become a fulfilled father by reaching out to them as well. Shall we pray? With every head bowed and every eye closed, God loves you. If you're a fatherless today, whether your father is deceased or whether he's just not fathering, or if you're a widow here, won't you remember this verse? A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy temple. Not was God or will be God, is God right now. Why don't you run to him in your mind and throw yourself at his feet in faith believing that Jesus is God, he is the Lord. In faith believing that he loves you just the way you are and will be. In faith believing that he will forgive you of all sin, not based on you turning your life around or promising this or stopping that, but coming to him just as you are. In faith, believing that you have now the full forgiveness, a home in heaven, an eternal relationship with God, the power of the Holy Spirit, the ability to now live this life and to understand the book of books so that you can be the dad for the rest of your life until you die. For you will always be father. You'll always be dad, whether the kids remain in the house or not. We had a pretty big apple today, and maybe we didn't bite all of it, but we got a big enough bite So chew on it and let the sweetness and the juice of this truth change you from the inside out. Would there be any dads here today, any men, maybe ladies that are saying, I need that forgiveness too. And if there is, I'd like to pray for you. And for me to be able to do that, I'd like you to in a moment slope up your hand and put it down. I'm not going to have you stand up. You won't walk an aisle. No one's out in the back looking at you. You're not going to come to the aisle here. But privately between you and the Lord, if you're saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I've done things wrong. But right now I'm trusting Christ for the full forgiveness of my sin. Jesus says, he that believes on me has everlasting life. It's not really even a prayer. It's a kind of a mental transaction where you're trusting in him alone and just saying thank you for what you've done. But you'd like for me to pray for you. So first of all, those that want to be assured of having eternal life, knowing you're going to heaven no matter what you've done or may do in the future, you're trusting Christ. Once you've done that, you're a believer. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. I'm praying for you just to welcome you in because you've already trusted Christ. But if today is the day you've done that and you'd like for me to pray for you with heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around, would you slip up your hand real high, put it up, put it down, anyone at all, anyone at all today? All right, Christians, particularly dads now, did the Word of God by the Spirit of God speak to your heart today, to your mind. I'm not asking if you got more information. Lord knows you probably have so much information on being a dad already. I'm not asking if it inspired you. You'd have to have been asleep through this message, hard-hearted not to have inspired you. But I don't want you to be merely inspired. But if today that there are truths that you're going to apply by the power of the Holy Spirit that you're saying, Pastor, pray for me because I want God's truth to transform me, not just to inform me, not just to inspire me, but I want it to transform me. Would you pray for me? 
Would you slip up your hand right now? Is there anyone that would like to have prayer for that? Thank you. Thank you. Father, I pray for these few that raised their hand today. I pray for the others that you'll let the Spirit of God speak to them. I pray that, Father, that our dads will become all that they really want to be according to your word. I thank you that, Father, you will never leave us nor forsake us so we can boldly say you are our helper, so you are our power source. We are in your presence and that every promise you make you keep so we can live out our mandate to be strong, to quit like a man because men don't quit. And that now, Father, we will model these truths in front of our kids. We will mentor our kids with these truths and we will motivate them to live a life of godliness until kingdom comes. And Father, we pray this in your precious name. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.